Hi, and welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, streaming live from Queens, New York. We're so excited you joined us today. No matter where in the world you are, we want you to know that you're family. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Well, hey, everybody. Thanks so much for watching and joining in here at Journey Online. My, my name is Mike. I'm the lead pastor. I hope you enjoyed that extra hour of sleep. Somebody post in a praise hands, praise God, right? And uh, hopefully you're sitting back, kicking back with a chai latte or a Starbucks, but I'm honored that you're here today and you're part of our Sunday experience. And I want to encourage you immediately following the service, we've got our Zoom community groups, only 20 to 25 minutes. And it's been amazing to connect with each other, see your faces digitally. And I want to encourage you, if you're here today, you haven't yet tried it, give it a try today. Just click on the link that the hosts are going to give you in the chat and join us after the service just to hang out with others and dive in deeper to hear about the message. Now, today we're in the middle of a teaching series called The Parables of Jesus, where we've been looking at some of Jesus' teachings and truths that he shared with his followers and what it means for us in our spiritual journey today. And I gotta warn you, today we're gonna talk about a sensitive but very important topic of our lives. Here's what it is. It's the topic of money. Now, before you click out of this browser or reach for that remote to turn this off and turn on Netflix, let's take a deep breath, all right? Turn to your neighbor if you're watching with someone else and just say, just chill, it's gonna be all right. But I wanna have some fun for a moment, all right? Because I'm willing to bet that when it comes to money, we've all spent our money on at least one dumb thing, right? I mean, we've all bought something that we thought was too good to be true and then we later found out it was too good to be true. And so I wanna have some fun. In the chat, if you would be so bold and daring, let us know what is one dumb thing that you've purchased. Go ahead, type it in the chat, let us know. Maybe some of you, what you're typing is something you bought on As Seen on TV. It was a product that you watched on TV, called the number, bought it, and it turned out to be pretty bad. Maybe it's like a scratch remover for your car that just made your car scratches worse, or a knife set that you thought could cut through a coin and it can't cut through anything, or maybe you bought a chess set that had the politicians running for office in 2020, and you're like, what am I doing with this? Or a Snuggie, Snuggies, what are they good for, right? Uh, maybe for others, it was a vacation that promised to be great and you got it on Groupon. That was mistake number one right there. Anything on Groupon is not a good deal, especially a vacation. Or maybe it was a car that you bought that turned out to be a lemon. Now, I remember a few years ago, I was talking with a close friend of mine who was following Jesus and trying to learn what does it mean to follow him closely. He just gave his life to Christ. And I asked him if he read the book, The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. Such a foundational book for someone starting off in their faith. And he replied, no, I have not. So I said, let me order the book for you on Amazon. So I ordered the book on Amazon, have it prime, shipped to my house. Two days later, I opened up this giant box to pull out Purpose Driven Life. And I kid you not, this is what came out. This is the Purpose Driven Life keychain version. <laughs> you know, this thing would be so small, it would hurt my friend's eyes to read it. Something I thought was good, then I realized, oh man, this is not quite the right product. Now, I bought him the right Purpose Driven Life, in case you're worried and wondering, but he got started off in his faith journey, all is good there. But it reminded me of sometimes we spend our money on things that maybe don't turn out to be exactly how we hoped. Let's face it, we've all done dumb things with our money. You know what that makes us? 
human, right? We all have done this. But as followers of Jesus, how we handle our money and our finances matters. In fact, Jesus taught more on the subject of money than on heaven, hell, prayer combined. That's how much Jesus talked about it. Yet the church, we avoid talking about money. So it's important that we hear and learn what Jesus wants to tell us about money. So we're going to look at a parable today. Now remember, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Jesus uses parables to come alongside, to give us stories, to give us truths alongside them, to help us see our lives differently and to live our lives different than how the world would like. And if you think about it, nowhere is there a contrast more between God's way and the world's way than when it comes to how to handle our money and our possessions. And Jesus speaks to this truth in one of his parables called the parable of the talents. It's found in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. You can follow along in your notes, but it starts off with this. Jesus' words, he says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man that was going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money, underline that phrase, circle it, his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to the other, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. Now hold here for a moment, because remember, in every parable, there's a character that represents God and a character that represents mankind. Here in this parable, God is seen as the owner. Now remember, as we looked at this passage, I had you circle, I had you understand that phrase, his money. Now, whose money was it? It was the owner's money. Now, what do we know about the owner? Well, we know he's a wealthy man because before he leaves on a trip, he entrusts three of his servants with bags of silver or talents. Now, a talent in Jesus' day was a measurement of money equal to about $200,000. So this was a lot of money, right? I mean, it's more than just a stimulus deal that our government could give us. $200,000 I don't know about you, but I'll take $200,000, right? So we see the owner who's entrusting it with the servants. In the story, the servants, they represent you and I. We play a starring role in this parable. We are one of the servants. So the first servant gets five talents or bags of silver, which is equal to $1 million. The second servant gets two bags of silver or talents, which is equal to $400,000. And the third servant gets one bag of silver, which is equal to $200,000. Now, before we keep going in our story, there's a couple of things to notice here. First, the servants are not given the same amount. Even though they were entrusted with a lot, their circumstances aren't all the same. This is important as we read on. Verse 16. It says, the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and he earned two more. But the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account for how they used his money. Now we're going to come back to this, but I want you to understand what Jesus is trying to teach us in this parable. What he's saying is that everything you have belongs to him, to the owner, but he entrusts us with it. And don't miss this part. 
It says there's going to come a day when you and I are going to have to give an account for how we manage that which God has loaned to us. Let's see how the owner responds. Verse 20, it says, The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Now, before we keep going, I want you to see here that the owner is pleased with the first two servants. They took what was given to them and they multiplied it, right? This is impressive to go from 1 million to 2 million. That's not bad, right? To go from 400,000 to 800,000. So the master, the owner, he's celebrating with them. But what happens to that third servant? Well, let's keep reading. Verse 24, then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid. Circle that word because we're going to come back to that later. But I was afraid that I would lose your money, so I hid the money on earth. Look, here is your money back. So we see here the third servant took what he had been entrusted with and he didn't do anything with it. Right? He was afraid and he just buried it. Now, at first, it seems like a smart thing to do, right? I mean, at least he didn't spend it. At least he didn't squander it. I mean, he was just conservative. He didn't multiply it, but he was conservative, and at least he saved it. But see, the problem is the owner could have done that. And that's why the owner's reply is so strong in verse 26. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest in it. Then he ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. Now, in other words, the owner is so ticked off that this third servant didn't produce anything of value that he literally takes away the small amount that he's been given and gives it to the other servant. And see, Jesus finishes this parable with this important application. Verse 29, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But for those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now this is a lengthy parable, and there's a lot going on here. But to cut to the chase, the main theme that Jesus is trying to get his hearers to understand, and what he's trying to get you and I to understand is this that we have to biblically manage what God has given us. It's important that we biblically manage that which God has given you and I. You see, there's two ways that we can manage our possessions and our money. There is the kingdom of God's way. This is the way that Jesus says to manage our money, and it's different than the world would manage their money. And the second way we can manage our money is the way that the world manages, right? The way of the kingdom of the world, not the kingdom of God. And this is do what society says. Do what you see in the commercials. 
Do what you see others doing, right? They're getting and they're buying and they're stressing out. They're often leading to debt, to materialism, to fear, and ultimately to defeat. We see this all around in our country today. For example, 43% of Americans carry credit card debt every month, meaning they use credit cards to maintain that standard of living that they can't yet afford. And the average credit card debt is over $6,300. The average student loan debt today is over $37,000. It takes the average student 20 years to pay off their debts, 20 years after they graduate college. That is crazy, right? And then 40% of Americans don't have enough money in savings to cover an emergency fund of 500 or less. Most Americans don't have even 500 saved for emergencies. You see, we can manage our money the way the world manages their money, but it leads to stress, anxiety, and fear. There's got to be a better way. And Jesus tells us there is a better way, a way that leads to peace instead of stress, a way that can lead to God's blessing instead of God's burdens. So how do we make this shift away from the world into God's way? I want to give you four different shifts that we can make. In your notes, let's look at this today. Shift number one is to shift from an owner to a steward. I shift from being an owner to a steward. Now in our parable, the servants were left to manage or steward the money that was left to them by the owner. Remember, it never was their money. Matthew 25, 14, it says, The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted, remember these two words, his money to them while he was gone. You see, we can't miss this important truth. In God's eyes, you are never meant to be an owner. You're always a steward. You're a financial manager of the money or the wealth that God has entrusted to you. All of it belongs to God. He is the owner. It's not my money. It's not your money. It's his money. Now, why is this shift so important? Because once you realize that God owns it all, including our finances and our money, it will completely change our perspective and our relationship with money. In other words, you're going to stop worrying about where does it come from. You're going to worry about how to get more money. And you're going to trust that God gives you what you need. And it takes a lot of that pressure off, right? I mean, it will remove a lot of that worry from your life. And when you make this shift from owner to steward, it's going to change not just how you perceive money, but also how you handle it. Because if it belongs to God and you're just a manager for a short time, then you're going to think about the owner and how to invest it in how God wants. Proverbs 3 verse 9 says it like this. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything that you produce. You see, if you're a steward, you're going to honor God in how you manage your money. You're not going to live beyond your means. You're not going to be driven by materialism. You're not going to go into debt to keep up with the Joneses who are also in debt. No, you're going to take giving and stewardship seriously because if it already belongs to God, you're going to honor that which is already His. You see, a main problem we have is that we often forget who we are in the parable. Oftentimes, we think we're the owner, not the manager. We think, man, this is my money, so I get to do what I want with it. 
But see, God is clearly the owner and we are clearly the stewards. We are managing that which God has given to us. So the first shift is that we have to move away from being an owner to being a manager or a steward. Shift number two in your notes is to shift from accumulation to impact. I shift away from accumulation to impact. In other words, God expects me to use what I've got. Not to just hoard it all or stockpile it or bury it like the one steward, but the point of life isn't to accumulate as much as you can. Point of life is not how much you can have in your stock market or in your portfolio or what your salary is because the one who dies with the most toys doesn't win. The one who dies with the most toys, they die, right? Just like all of us, right? I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. And so the point of life is to use what God has blessed you with to make as big of an impact for God as you can. We see this in the parable. Matthew 25, verse 16, it says, The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. You see, in life, some people are given one talent. Other people are given two talents. Others are given five talents. You see, you don't always get to choose how much you get. That's up to the owner. But you always get to choose what you do with what you've been given. And when the servant with the one talent doesn't do anything useful with the money that was entrusted to him, the owner looks at him and calls him wicked and lazy. Now, those might seem like harsh words, especially for Jesus to use. But Jesus is saying, look, this is serious. How you manage your money matters. And your money is not all about you. In other words, God didn't put you here on earth to just waste your life or to take up space. In fact, I think this is one of the blessings that has come from this whole pandemic. It's caused all of us to value life and to rethink what path we're on in this life. Don't waste the season because I genuinely believe that God has put you here on earth to use your time, your money, your energy, your passions, your abilities for good and for his good. And I believe the same is true for our church. God wants to take this season and allow us to make an even greater impact in our city and around the world. Now, no doubt 2020 has been a tough year for all of us. I mean, who would have thought that on March 8th, that was going to be our last Sunday together in person for the entire year. No one predicted this pandemic or the extent of it. But one great principle I've learned during this season is that God's word and his message cannot be stopped. Remember Peter's word, or Jesus' words to Peter about building the church? He said and he promised the gates of hell will never prevail. And we're seeing that true in 2020. People are still coming to know the Lord. They're still hearing his message. And now it's being broadcast, not just in Queens, but to the World Wide Web. And we are deepening our roots as a church and our impact. But I believe more than ever, our church needs to seize the opportunities that are in front of us to help us rebuild our city and proclaim his message again. And so that's why today we are launching Rise Up. It's the journey special offering from now until January 31st, 2021. This offering is a 100% outward focused 
missions offering. And it is critical for the season that we're in. This offering, it's going to go to support three key areas. First, it's going to help with the efforts of rebuilding our city. More people are homeless. More people are without jobs and needing food more than ever since the beginning of our church in our city. Many of our ministry partners, they cannot keep up with the demand and the needs that are in front of them. And as a church, we have the opportunity to come alongside them, partner with them, and give, give them even more support that's so desperately needed during this time. But second, this offering is going to help church plants in our city. Some of the new churches that we've helped start have lost 80% of their church overnight to COVID and to people moving out of the city. It's crazy. Some who have worked so hard to build their church after five years are now looking at starting all over again. And they're discouraged. They're facing depression and anxiety. And we want to use our influence to help them rebuild again. But third, it's going to help our church plan and strategize for the next year and beyond. What this means is it's helping to build our ever-growing youth program. It's helping us to invest in equipment to better reach the online world and the online community. And what it also means, what I'm most excited about is this. It means eventually shifting from a portable location to a more permanent space. I believe that God wants us to shift our thinking from short-term impact to long-term impact. What if we can move away from being a portable space that has impact only on Sunday mornings to a more permanent space in our community to have impact 24 hours a day, seven days a week? I believe that God wants us to seize these opportunities. And all of these things are exciting that we're launching through the Rise Up special offering. But you have the opportunity today, right now, to invest in it. And so I want to ask you to pray about what you can sacrificially give between now and January 31st of next year to help us reach our God-sized goal of $37,000. Some of you, you might want to consider making your first gift this week to help us get started as a church and to seize the opportunities that God has for us. Others of you might want to save over time and give one large gift. But together, we can do this. We can rise up as a church, rise up as a city, and proclaim the name of Jesus to even more during this difficult time where so many need hope. But we've got to shift from accumulation to investing and impact. And so I want to look at number three in your notes, and it's to shift from fear to faith. From fear to faith. I'm shifting intentionally from fear to faith. Now in the parable of the talents, why doesn't the third servant do what the first two do? Why doesn't he just invest the money and work hard and double it? Why does he bury it? Why does the, the owner say that he is lazy and wicked? Honestly, I think it's because fear motivated him. We see it in the parable. Matthew 25, 25, his words are, I was afraid that I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. So he was afraid. Instead of working hard, doubling the money, he just simply buried it. Now, why do we as human beings tend to accumulate rather than invest in the things of God? I think it's because we're afraid. In fact, I think the biggest barrier to Christ followers being generous with what God has given them is this idea of fear. You see, I've never met a Christian who didn't want to tithe. 
I didn't want, I didn't meet a Christian who never wanted to be generous, but I've met lots of Christ followers who are afraid that if they did tithe, if they were generous, what if God doesn't take care of me? And many of you, you feel like that third servant. Well, if I give back to God, then maybe I'm not going to have enough. That if I'm generous and I manage my money God's way, well, what if I run out? And so out of fear, we don't be faithful and use our money for impact. Instead, we hold on to fear and we think like the world does, that it's all about getting more money. But in reality, it's never an issue about how much money you have or don't have. It's always the issue of faith. Because God says, if you honor me with what I've given you, I will take care of you and give you what you need. And when you put your faith in money, it's always going to lead to fear. Because money can run out. Money can let you down. The stock market could be up today, gone tomorrow. Money always leads to fear. But every time that you give to God, your faith grows. Because when you give to God, you're putting your faith not in money, but you're putting your faith in God. That it's not money that provides for my needs, but it's God who provides for my needs. And see, God blesses and rewards that kind of faith. We see it true in Matthew 25, verse 29. To those who use well what they're given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. So we got to shift from being an owner to a manager, from being filled with fear to being filled with faith, from accumulation to impact. And shift number four is from temporary to eternal, from the temporary view to the eternal view. You see, in the parable of the talents, Jesus says that one day you and I are going to give an account for why we did what we did and with the money that God has given us. That's why Jesus gives us this wisdom in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. You see, Jesus tells us to invest in what matters. Invest not in the iPhone 12, but invest in something that outlasts yourself. And investing in eternity, it's when instead of managing your money the, world, the, the way the world does and getting more stuff for you and going into debt over more things and accumulating out of fear, instead, you have the pulse of God. You're giving to missions. You're helping the less fortunate. You're giving to the local church. You're investing in eternity. Now, why is this important? Because at the end of life, every one of us are going to stand before God and be held accountable for the life that we've lived. And I believe that we're going to have to answer to God two of life's biggest questions. The first question God's going to ask us is, what did you do with my son Jesus? That is the question of our salvation. Did we make a decision to follow Jesus with our life here on earth? But the second question I believe God's going to ask us is, what did you do with what I gave you? You see, we're going to have to answer the question of whether we've lived as owners or as stewards. If we've lived our life for accumulation or for impact. If we lived our life for fear or in faith. If we've invested in today or for eternity. You see, one of my greatest fears for my life, and even for yours, is that we'll get to heaven and we'll hear God say, yeah, you get into heaven, but to be honest, you could have done so much more with what I've given you. 
You misused my blessings. You squandered the talents and abilities that I've given you. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to hear the words wicked and lazy from God. Instead, I want to hear the words from God that the, final ser- or that the servant heard. Matthew 25, 21, he says, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Now, if you're here today and you realize, man, I've been managing my money the way the world has. I've been looking at my finances as if it's all about me, accumulating, getting all more stuff just for me. And you realize even maybe you've been living a life filled with fear rather than faith. You see, God tells us this parable of the talents to warn us that we don't have to get to the end of our lives and hear the words wicked and lazy servant. That we can hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But we've got to shift from being an owner to a manager. We've got to shift from thinking life's all about us to thinking about how can I impact others. We've got to shift from thinking that it's all about fear and focus on faith. And we've got to shift from the temporary to the eternal. It's not easy But with God's help, we can make these shifts and impact for his name. Let's take a moment. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day and this time where we can look to your word and be strengthened in our faith. God, help us to avoid the follies of this world, to not think that we are the owners and that life is all about us and that our money is our money. But God, help us to realize that you're calling us to break free from the grip of greed and to live our lives with an open hand and be generous with what you've given to us. God, I pray that as we're on the heels of this Rise Up special offering, that it's not just about an offering, it's not just about an amount, but God, it's about impact, that we can seize the opportunity that's in front of us to rebuild our city, to help restore church planters, to help our church grow in 2021 and beyond. God, help us to do our part. We look to you, we surrender our lives over to you, and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.